I got involved with homeschooling nearly 30 years ago when our 13-year-old son at the time was in a magnet school. He had to enter the school with a 3.0 GPA, but within the first six weeks of school, his GPA was 2.8. My husband and I were called to the counselor's office to discuss this. She said, we're going to transfer him or they were going to fail him. If someone is considering homeschooling, it's important not to be intimidated. Nowadays, with the change in technology and information being widely available, it's more important to teach your kids how to learn and how to get information, how to find the right information, the correct information. It's less important that they learn specific information. Coming up on the Janice Adams Show, the ABCs of Parenting for Success. First, the news. Trying to make it real compared to what School desegregation, school resegregation, public school, private school, charter school, magnet school. Why not good schools? Brown baby, I want you to stand up tall and proud. I want you to speak up clear and loud. Today on the Janice Adams Show, we're talking to African-American parents who've joined the ranks of more than 1.6 million families nationwide, taking on the mission of educational excellence for their children. They've gone old school to become homeschool educators. In Maryland, Carly and David Cavins are the parents of nine-year-old twin daughters. Both parents are college-educated. And in Louisiana, Joyce Burgess and her husband, Eric, are high school educated. They've achieved such success in educating their children that they're now into their second generation, educating their grandchildren. What these parents have in common is their track record of educating their children for academic success and their willingness to share the wealth of what they've learned with others. Carly Cavins is a writer and founder of cleverlychanging.com and together with her husband, Joyce Burgess, a former city councilwoman, is co-founder of the National Black Home Educators. So what are the ABCs of homeschooling? What is it? Why are people doing it? And what motivates families to get involved? Here's Joyce Burgess. I got involved with homeschooling nearly 30 years ago when our 13-year-old son at the time was in a magnet school. He had to enter the school with a 3.0 GPA, but within the first nine weeks or six weeks of school, his GPA was 2.8, and that was unacceptable to the school. So my husband and I were called to the counselor's office to discuss this, and she gave us two options. She said, because he's dropped his GPA, we're going to transfer him to a school way across town. Now, you know, there's a difference between a magnet school and a regular public school. Yes, there is. So essentially, they were telling me that they were going to transfer him to a public school that was not as glorious, so to speak, as this magnet school. Or they were going to fail him. Now, this is the month of October, the first nine or six weeks of school. 
that they know that my son will fail this grade. And of course, that is not what any parent wishes to hear, especially since we fought so hard to have equality, quote unquote, in our public schools where African-Americans are concerned. That's not something a parent wants to hear. So essentially, we were kicked out of the school. And we just decided, you know, I'd heard about homeschooling uh, about four years prior to that moment. And we just decided, you know what, we're going to do this. We, we are a one-income family. We cannot afford private school. So we're going to homeschool him. And that's led us to where we are today. And eventually we started the organization, maybe, maybe between seven and 10 years later of our decision to homeschool, we started the National Black Home Educators to target African-Americans with the option of homeschooling and to share our story. Because we figured that if we're dealing with this, then there are many, many other families, moms and dads that are dealing with this where their children are concerned as well. So let's go back to this moment when you made this decision. I mean, just to put things in perspective, this is October when a child has just transferred and yeah. did school begin in August or September? School usually starts here around early August. Okay. So, um, so you know, there, there, there's the summertime and all of these factors to reason why children need time to get used to being in a in That's exactly again. what I was going for. You have a change of school. You're just back from the summer season and yeah. when kids are getting back up to speed anyway some kids do well over the summer working independently some don't um, but they're just getting back and at that point within 10 weeks they know that with 30 weeks to go this child is going to be a failure I mean who am I to contradict the experts that was my question exactly that they could predict something so far out. But, you know, once again, it goes back to uh, them labeling our children, looking at our children's records to see if there were any notes that they need to be concerned about to look at a, a negative prediction on this child's life. So essentially that's what they did. But, you know, once we started homeschooling, we just left all that behind and we started fresh with homeschooling with our son, and it's been one of the best decisions that we could have made. This may be what other people need to know who may be on the fence about what to do. Mm -hmm. So often, I was in a book group years ago, and all African-American women, some mothers, some not, and, and this was a rather affluent neighborhood, and just by chance, one book club member broke rank and said something about what she was experiencing with the education of her son in this in his school in this wonderful elite Connecticut school district and she spoke and it was like the dam burst because then the oh, wow. next mother and the next and the next and before we knew it everyone who thought we were it was just our situation, just our child, whatever it was. We did, it, we did notice a pattern where those parents of boys were having certain kinds of issues that those with girls weren't happening, but I, with twin daughters, was still having problems in our school district. Um, and all of a sudden, we, it was this collective, oh, my goodness. 
you know? Absolutely. And, uh, of course, the outward projection, and I'm also a member of the media, so I'm getting at the same time these press releases talking about low-performing children and poverty and all this, none of which mentions the core issue that clearly was being demonstrated in that room, that the issue was racism. And it wasn't that school desegregation was failing, it was that racism was succeeding. So when I asked you this question, it's not to, you know, salt that wound, but I think there are other people listening to us right now who are having different experiences who need to know, number one, they're not crazy. They're not alone. There are remedies, and there are other people who've seen these same things and decided to travel a different route. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you, here you are, therefore, um, um, a mother being faced with this issue. Did you come from a background as an educator? I did not. I have a high school degree with some college and the same as my husband. Now, our family members, you know, moms and aunts and uncles, they're big educators. And so when we made the decision to homeschool, it was like the dam broke again with our family because they're saying, you guys barely made it out of high school. How can you homeschool or teach anybody? But we proved them wrong because like I said, it was one of the best things that could have happened and the children excelled. What was the skill that you had that you realized you could leverage? No matter what your educational background had been, what did you bring to this that told you you and your child would succeed? Oh, wow. You know, reading is the baseline for everything. And uh, I'm an excellent reader, an excellent writer, uh, language, English. I do really well with grammar and I have a good base knowledge of mathematics. So I figured that if I can teach my children to read and understand what they're reading, comprehend what they're reading, and teach them to write and interpret what they've read, then I feel that they can't do nothing but succeed. And I was right, because that was one of the things that all of them, the ones that did go to college, That was one of the things that they excelled in in their courses uh, was reading and the language skills and writing and um, their their mathematics. Mm -hmm. So other than the fact that I have a birth certificate, you know, not necessarily a teacher's certificate, but because these are my children and I have the greatest desire to see them succeed, that gave me the confidence and the qualifications that I needed to make sure that my children would succeed because I want parents to know that no matter what you do, no matter where you are educationally, that if you have a basic desire, a burning desire to see your children do well, then you're going to do what you need to do to make sure that they do well. And what I couldn't teach, my husband filled in the gap. And what my husband didn't have time to teach because he worked then we hired teachers and experts. We pretty much took advantage of the resources that were around us 
And eventually as family members came around, they began to contribute to our academia, academic uh, lifestyle or academic programs mm-hmm. for, our, for our children. And, you know, it, it just was great. And then eventually, you know, I think we were like the pioneers because eventually uh, most of my family members started having problems with their children in school. And now they're all homeschooled. Like I have two sisters that have homeschooled all their children. My husband uh, has a sister that homeschooled her her second son. And so we were like the pioneers. We pretty much paved the way, the trailblazers for this. We had no idea going into it that that's what it would become. But essentially, that's what it's become, not just for our family, but for so many other uh, black families in the country. For your son, um, that was your first homeschooling experience. Is he the eldest? Yeah. Was he, he is the eldest. So yeah. then did you then automatically homeschool the other children following from from the lead with that you took with him? Without a doubt. Um, I homeschooled him. I took him out of school like November. I'm sorry, October of that of that year, I go between 1988-1989, took him out of school, and then six months later, I, I had to take him out. My other students, were, my other children were doing okay in public school. They were excelling because I already taught them to read. The teacher's job was easy. So the next school year, I did not send them back. I figured that a house divided would not stand. So in order for us to make this work and for it to be good for the uh, children, I needed to bring all of them into the homeschool uh, environment. And once again, it was the best thing for all of them. And and by the grace of God, all of the children are successful. They're raising their own families now, most of them, and we're second-generation homeschooling. So once again, it was one of the best things that could have happened for the the Burgess family. It has ultimately become the the best thing, but was there resistance on the part of the children when you initially pulled them out? For my oldest son, who I started with, there was no resistance because he was tired of, of being looked at as if he was nobody. He was tired of being looked at as if he did not matter. He was tired of being looked at as if you would never make it. Yes. And so to come home and to be in the security of those who loved him, he and he still today, he will tell you, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for what you've done because it put him on the road to where he is now. Looking at your work with National Black Home Educators, what is the most important thing that you feel your job is in that capacity? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, as a founder and CEO of the National Black Home Educators, I feel my most important job is curriculum, is to be able to, to show parents how to teach their children simply because, once again, I said before, as you feed your children the good things, then that's what they're going to become. You are what you eat. So it's like if you give them good curriculum, good information, then you're going to get that once they become adults. And so I feel that our main job is to give them the great materials and resources that they need so that they can raise great people in this country. 
That was Joyce Burgess, co-founder of National Black Home Educators. Today on the Janice Adams Show, homeschooling the ABCs of educating for academic success. More after the break. Trails of troubles, rows of battles, paths of victory, we shall walk. The road is dusty, the road is a money. Better road is a wing, the day is not far off. Trails of trouble, rows of battles, paths of victory, we shall walk. I walk down by the river, I turned my head up high. I saw that silver lining that was hanging in the sky. Well, I saw trails of We're back here on The Janice Adams Show. Our guests are African-American parents who've joined the ranks of the more than 1.6 million families now homeschooling. Of that number, more than 300,000 black parents have taken on the mission of personally educating their children for excellence. When out of men's hearts all the hate is hurled you're gonna live in a better world. I asked Carly and David Cavins what inspired them to become homeschoolers. Here's Carly. For us, our pediatrician actually recommended that we homeschool our daughters. We have um, twin daughters, as you mentioned, and they were learning rapidly, but... Um, One of our daughters, she has sickle cell anemia, and um, due to a lot of germs being in school, the doctor thought, you know, delaying her um, going to school would probably be better for her health-wise. And so that's really what got us started into homeschooling. And our kids could, they started reading around, um, one started at two, the other started at three. So they were early readers, and so... Um, we wanted them to continue to advance at the pace that they were learning. So homeschool was a natural next step for us. Did you have experience with homeschooling before you jumped in on homeschooling your twin daughters? When I was a kid, uh, I was homeschooled from, I guess, first first through third grade. And so I had some experience with it. And I, I did enjoy it when you know I went through it as a child. So, yeah, it made the decision a little easier because it wasn't like this completely unknown thing. And then, of course, when I was doing homeschool, like technology was different. It was back in back in the 90s. So it wasn't a hard decision. Did you have siblings who were being homeschooled at the same time? Yes. So I have a older sister and a younger brother. And my mom homeschooled all of us at different periods because we're different ages. So. I guess me and my brother spent the most time homeschooling together. But uh, yeah, we all were homeschooled for some portion of like the, you know, elementary school. Do you know what made your parents decide on homeschooling? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably ask them that. That's one of those, you know, life questions I need to talk to my parents about. Yeah. But, um, well, I know, you know, with three kids and my mother sent us to uh, private school, cost is obviously a factor, but then also 
for myself, I'll say when I went to regular school, I wasn't a problem child, but I was definitely learning at a faster pace than other kids. And, you know, I finished my work and I'm bored. And so I'm going to be disruptive. I'm going to talk to my classmates. I'm going to make jokes and stuff like that. And that, you know, that obviously isn't cool for the teacher. And so I think maybe my mom saw that in me and was like, okay, we need to homeschool him for a little bit so he can get ahead. Because, you know, as a result of homeschooling, I actually skipped a grade. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Did your mother have an education background or did she just kind of do it? She actually taught me in kindergarten. She worked at the school I was attending and then she pulled me and my brother out and homeschooled us from there. And then even further on in my life, she worked as a librarian. So she has an education background. So I guess it wasn't Mm -hmm. completely new for her either. So Carly, though, you weren't homeschooled as a child, but here you are starting without the experience. What made you feel that you could do it? Um, I wasn't homeschooled. I went to public school and I loved school. I thought it was exciting and I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought I could do it because I I loved school so much as a kid. I was always the teacher's helper. Um, Like David mentioned, he got things the first time. I was very interested in school. So I also, um, I, I learned very easily. So to kind of duplicate what my teachers did wasn't hard for me. Um, When I was in school, I was often picked to explain things to the rest of my classmates in front. So it was a very natural experience to educate others. So would you say that a positive educational experience is like critical to becoming a homeschooler? I wouldn't say that. I would say that it kind of varies for each person. And um, you do have to have a drive to do it. So you have to be fully determined and committed to do it. And then on the other hand, you have to have that flexibility. So you have to have a flexible mindset because your kids may not learn the way you do. And so you may have to revise what you're doing in order to help them. Each of you has different strengths that you bring to this as co-parents, as co-homeschoolers. Dave, what do you find you like to bring of your strength to this process? Uh, That's a good question. So I would have to know what my strength is. Well, then let's start back. What do you, how do you make your living? Oh, so I work as a web, a software developer for a company here in Maryland. Do you share your software experience with your daughters? Yeah, I've taught them some uh, coding and things like that. So part of my job at, you know, developing software is I have to explain whatever I built to people. And a lot of times what I built is more complex. So I I constantly have to think of simpler ways of explaining it to people so that, you know, the novice or the non-technical person can understand the technical aspect of whatever it is I did. So that is something I guess I can say that I use in trying to teach the kids because it's like, concepts like like if you're younger like they when they were younger like trying to explain to them what multiplication or division is that's like that you know they're just trying to figure out how to add stuff together and so multiplication division is more of an abstract concept Mm -hmm. they don't get it or even trying to teach them like algebra it's it's not to me i don't think it's that hard because you know you you as you're older you know you get used to numbers that you don't know and figuring things out but having to explain uh, working with them and trying to explain those things to them in a way that they can remember and understand 
I think that's maybe one of my strengths that I help bring to the whole educational experience. And Carly, you? For me, I think it's my patience and willing to think outside of the box. I often try to do hands-on um, activities with my kids because I want them to be able to learn it well enough where they can teach each other. And so um, in trying to present it in a way that's interesting, that will keep their attention and give them the ability to explain it to someone else, that's, um, I would say that's my strength. Um, we do a lot of hands-on work. I use a lot of manipulatives and um, just tools, different tools to help them learn. We do a lot with various games, like Jenga will use it to help um, with our spelling words. So they'll pull a block, spell a word. And so I try to make it very hands-on so it's not a monotonous experience every day. It's something that's new, something fun. And I let them read. And in letting your kids lead, you'll learn what their strengths are and you, it'll help them be able to explain it better. And if they can explain it, that means they've gotten it. We've all heard about homeschooling. People are listening to it who've never thought of doing it, who think maybe they should try it, but they don't know how to try it and all of that kind of thing. What is the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome to make that commitment? to be a homeschooler. I know you had, you were propelled by your daughter's health, but still you, another person might've said, that's just not for me. And then tried to deal with all sorts of, you know, medical kind of workarounds to keep her as healthy as possible in, in the classroom. So still, what was the thing that got you over the hurdle and said, okay, let's jump in, let's do this. I love seeing my kids learn and it's taught me that I need to, um, to step back and kind of let them take on some of their interests. Um, I wouldn't say that homeschooling is easy by any stretch of the imagination because for me, I constantly have to be um, learning things. Um, I know when we often hear about Common Core, I'm not against it. I think that, you know, to learn something in a different way than I was taught is totally okay. And so for me, I have to always be learning in new ways. So I don't just teach my kids the way I learned the information because frankly, my kids don't, my kids and I don't share the same learning style. And so I often have to learn things another way so I can present it in other ways. And so um, just that aspect, that love of learning keeps me, um, grounded and interested in doing it. But when times are hard, it causes me to think, you know, well, what can I do? We often do field trips because when you homeschool, it's not always about just staying home because that will get monotonous and it'll be um, just not so interesting for your kid and not so interesting for you. I think me being interested in it keeps my kids engaged. And so to mix it up, you know, to do things, you know, with technology and also with, you know, field trips and videos to use those tools in our homeschool helps to break up the day and it helps to um, give me a break um, somewhat. So there are um, like online platforms where my kids, like if we're having a day where I need to do something else, 
I can tell my kids to log into their classroom profile and they can get more learning and things even when I'm not physically able to be actively engaged. They can still learn through internet classes. So I feel like this day and age, it's so much easier where the weight isn't always on the parent to do all the work. And we also have electives that our kids are involved in where I don't teach the classes. Like they take swimming, they take judo, they were taking a piano class and they had other teachers. So for me, I don't feel like I have to homeschool alone. I have support not only for my husband, but for my community, um, from online classes and online platforms. So I feel like it's, it's a, it's a large effort that's put into homeschooling. And while I'm their, their main guide, they have other teachers as well. This issue that you just raised of the, the community, so the circle that you're able to depend on, normally when, when people talk about, you know, homeschooling, they raise the issue of whether or not the children themselves have enough of a social structure. But in terms of your social structure as parents, I'm going to ask this of you, Dave, whether or not other dads are, are really supportive of the idea that you are homeschooling your children have just as as a as a man as a parent do you and other fathers discuss this with each other <laughs> uh not often um when i've told people that i was doing it um most other fathers that i've talked to were like okay that's good uh you know <laughs> that's great that they get to you know spend time with their mom and all that type, type mm-hmm. of stuff um yeah, but other than that, we haven't really had much of a discussion about it in in detail. Okay. I've never talked to any father about it very much. Isn't that interesting? Okay. And um, were racial issues part of your thinking in terms of whether or not you would homeschool versus sending your girls to a public or, or even an African-American private school? I'll say for me personally, it wasn't too much. Um so again, I'll reference my experience. When I was a kid and we were homeschooled, uh, we were the only African-American kids in the group. And so we would meet with a bunch of other kids that didn't look like us and I did not know. And therefore, that is part of the reason probably why I didn't have that many friends from my whole homeschool group because I didn't really know them. We didn't associate with each other that much. They lived on a different side of town, like all those racial type of factors. Um, but um, for my kids, I didn't. I don't think race played a big factor in my um, desire to have them homeschool because it was more about the education and the, the experience and the learning they would get. And then also, I feel like if you go to a tr- traditional school and you read the history books and the 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 partial story that is told in them, you're not going to get the full perspective of what actually happened, or you're going to get a perspective of those guys, the people that won, obviously. So. It sounds as though you're basically talking about American history and the way it's taught and studied in your non-homeschool outer circle versus how you're able to approach it. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. For example, I remember in college, we were studying about American history, basically, but we were talking specifically about like the Ku Klux Klan and things that happened there. And one of my professors was explaining it in a way that made it seem like they were just a group that was trying to help white people improve their lives. <laughs> he just kind of left it at that. 
And so I raised my hand. I was like, but what about like all the other stuff they did that wasn't okay? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they did that too. And that that's probably an extreme example. But I feel like if you read history from what's in the history book, it's it's only part of the story. So I feel like being able to say, okay, well, this is what the story, the history book says, but there's this other stuff you should know too, so that you're, you know, you have a full perspective of what actually happened and you're not uh, reading this Eurocentric history, which Eurocentric history is what everyone knows. So you do need to know that, but it's nice to know that, you know, while they were doing whatever in Europe, stuff was happening in Africa, stuff was happening in South America, stuff was happening in America before the pilgrims got here. There was stuff, there were people here and stuff was going on. Yes, yes. Um, it we we are taught to think all of us as though we are young white males of a mm-hmm. certain class, so that even young white males who are not of the elite economic class don't particularly see themselves either. Um, mm-hmm. Not that it's on par with what people of color experience. I don't mean to make that equivalency, but the who the educational system is designed for is not really for most of the people in the country, ironically. It, it has a particular bent and who is going to be featured, and therefore you get the story of the government and all the wars and all this grand stuff, but you don't get Really, you you hear about the Depre- the Great Depression, but from the standpoint of the stock market crash, not particularly from the standpoint of everyday working people and what they went through, except that we know that there were bread lines. Right. Carly and David Cavins, Maryland parents who've taken on the challenge of home educating their nine-year-old twin daughters for academic success. More of the Janice Adams Show after the break. Oh, we got trails of a trouble and we got rose of a battle pass of a victory we share one evening train was a rolling a humming of the wheels i saw a better day as i looked across the field well i saw trails of troubles rose of a battles pass of a victory we shall walk. Oh, we got trails, trails of trouble, and we got our roads, roads of a battle. Hands of victory, we shall walk. We're back here on The Janice Adams Show with our guests, Carly and David Cavins, Maryland parents and home educators of nine-year-old twin daughters. I asked David how other fathers respond to him as homeschooler. High fives? Pushback? Here's Carly with her side of the story. So I get the opposite from David. I get a lot of high fives. Um, People that know me know my passion for education and so they often refer to my kids as lucky or blessed like oh you you know you're with them all day you can really feed into your kids you can really help them grow and so they see it as a positive experience my family is very supportive they think 
you know, because I love school, they think this is a tremendous opportunity for me to pass that love on to my children from people out in um, the community and people that I interact with. They, they are often um, complimenting my children on their word choices, their ability to communicate with adults. And, you know, so I, I get high fives as far as pushback. Um, I do, some people do ask, well, how long are you going to homeschool? So I think some people definitely see it as fine for the elementary years, but I don't think they necessarily see me doing it um, for their entire secondary education. And what do you say? What do I say? I, I tell people I'm going to do it for as long as I need to. So when it's no longer something that works for my family, something that my husband and I are no longer on the same page that we should do this, we'll definitely meet about it and we'll make a change. There are times where, you know, when your friends are moving up the corporate ladder, there's definitely a side of me that, um, you know, I, I, I look over there sometimes longingly, um, but it's only for a short period of time because I definitely feel the value and the I feel like I'm reaping the rewards of spending time and watching my children grow academically and mentally because I'm giving my kids an opportunity to learn how to think, to learn how to recognize um, what they enjoy learning about, recognize their passions and build on them. And other people don't necessarily have that um, same opportunity to do that. Before you had said that together you said that well you weren't working but clearly we should have said working outside the home because you are clearly working but um on the subject of working outside the home you actually do have a blog and a website I do work yes I I think so so it's funny because we don't we don't consider it traditional a traditional job but I am constantly working. So I have a blog that um, I write articles. Um, I submit the articles to other websites, not just to my own. I write for other for other um, companies as well. Uh, in the time that we have left, can we mention the name of your blog? Sure. So I blog at cleverlychanging.com. It's C-L-E-V-E-R-L-Y-C-H-A-N-G-I-N-G. And it's a blog that talks about homeschooling. We talk about finance. We talk about health and wellness. And my goal is that the information that I learn as a parent and as a woman, I want to pass that information on to others so that they can build their homes in a and have effective parenting, but also they will be able to pass wealth on to the next generation. So I'm all about just learning more and pouring into my community and sharing resources that I learn along the way so that other people can take advantage of those resources as well. In the, as homeschoolers, let's look at just what a day looks like for you. How do you start your day? So for us, we start our day, um, we wake our kids up around 8.30. We let them sleep in a little bit because I feel like um, 
really early mornings aren't necessarily great for old people. And so with my kids, I realized that starting a little bit later is better for us. So we start, we have breakfast. Um, during breakfast, we do, um, we have devotion where we, um, you know, read some spiritual word and then we exercise. So I mentioned earlier that I have a child with health needs. She actually has um, type 1 diabetes is one of the chronic illnesses that she lives with. And exercise is very critical to health. And so we start with um, some light exercise in the morning. When the weather is great, we actually go out and we walk. And while we're um, walking and exercising, they may ride their bike. I will allow them to, um, we review the information that they've been learning. So it may be math, like I'll call out um, multiplication or division question. I'll call out math problems verbally. Or they'll sing songs like a timeline song um, about, you know, the, the way the world has come to be. Um, we, we do a lot of things to music because I have a daughter who's an auditory learner. And so um, we talk about English, like I'll ask, you know, what is a noun? What is an adverb? What is an adjective? How do we identify those? So while we're exercising, I use that as a time to review. Um, and so that's really like our morning. After we do that, we come in and I give them some downtime. I let them read for for a little bit, and then we'll go into English. We do um, the Institute of um, Excellence for Writing, and so we have them diagram sentences, and after that, we have them um, do some, um, just they can take those sentences and come up with their own, but they have to identify the structure of the sentence, the purpose, and... Um, you mentioned that you were an eclectic homeschooler and that you kind of layered in different curricula and different sources, resources, etc. If you've never done it before, as at one point you had never done it before, where do you start in terms of deciding what you're going to teach and how? I think I think finding the curriculum, I think is that that's people's biggest fear because there's tons of curriculum out there. And I would say start with, um, if you're starting in the early years, like kindergarten, pre-K, first grade, don't be so concerned about having books to teach your kids. Um, I would say take information um, that you, that your child loved learning about. So you have the basics, look at the basics and start from there. Start kind of organically and show them from toys, just from life experiences, from, you know, taking trips and, and just teach them, explain to them everything that they're interacting with. And in those early years, I did not use um, a curriculum um, for kindergarten because I felt like what they were being exposed to just with everyday playing and learning would give them the information that they needed to, to know. And as far as books, you can, you know, go to the library and pick, just let them choose what they like and go from there. As your kid gets older, I would say, you know, try to find other people and see what they're using and kind of ask them what works um, for their kids. But um, start with just, you know, small, small books um, that you may see, you know, like you can pick up a workbook here and there. But the library, I would say, is probably your best resources because a lot of times they actually do have some curriculum. And so before you 
spend lots and lots of money on purchasing a full curriculum. Just go there and kind of explore, you know, try different, try different things out and see if that is a good fit for your child. And if it is, you know, you can definitely expound on that and, you know, purchase those items and, you know, get more of similar items that, you know, work for your family. But I definitely would say start from, you know, like if a curriculum is offering a free um, trial, definitely take advantage of that and see if it works for you without a commitment. During the taping session, we lost our signal to Carly. David kept the home fires burning. What's the thing that fires you up when you are dealing with your girls at this point? First of all, how long have you homeschooled at this point? Uh, well, I guess technically we started when they were really little because when they were when they were first born, uh, there's this program. I don't think it's available anymore, but it's called Your Baby Can Read. And so we used to let them sit and watch that. And that's part of the reason why I believe they started reading so early. But even back then, um, even when they were little, like as soon as they were able to walk on their own, I would always take them places with me and start showing them stuff and teach them about things. I remember one time my daughter was about two and a half or three. And I was in the garage because I had to fix something on my car. And they always, because, you know, I'm at work most of the day, so they always wanted to spend time with me after I came home. So they came in the garage for me. And so I was showing them how to change, like change some brakes or something on my car. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they've always been kind of interested in learning and seeing new things. So I've been doing kind of homeschooly type stuff, I guess you could say, since then. Um, so I would say like eight, nine years, basically. Mm, wow. And they're only nine. Okay. I always end my interviews by asking people if there's something that they would like to say that I have not thought to ask. So please. Um, okay. So I can think of two things. So one thing I would say, if someone is considering homeschooling, I would say it's important not to be intimidated. Uh, I think nowadays with the changing in technology and information being widely available, I think it's more important to teach your kids how to learn and how to how to get information, how to find the right information, the correct information. It's less important that they learn specific information because you can learn, like nowadays you can learn anything you wanna learn basically on YouTube or on Google. So I think the most important part is not necessarily, okay, how do you, here's how you multiply, here's how you divide it. I think it's more important to teach your kids how to learn, learn how to learn. I think that's very important. And so that's what I try and focus on teaching my kids whether it be in math or science or whatever, it's, it's thinking about learning the concept. Because if you learn the concept behind math, behind multiplication or the concept behind uh, the scientific theory or whatever, then the specifics are easier to understand. And I think that's where, at least some of the kids I've talked to that actually go to traditional school, it's more of, they spend a whole lot of time doing like rote memorization and just memorizing stuff without actually understanding it. So I think that's, in, that's important. Um, the other thing I was going to say that I might have forgotten. Uh, well, I guess on the same note, like if you're interested in thinking of homeschooling, the information's out there. So I would say definitely spend some time researching it. And uh, there's a whole lot of resources available out there. So it's not like you're in a situation where you're kind of, kind of somewhat alone. There's a lot of other people doing it. So it's not something to be worried about or scared of. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last question. What was, mm -hmm. what did you major in in school? Carly told me her degrees are in English and history. 
So my undergraduate degree is in character animation and graphic design. Oh, how and wonderful. Later on, I went and got some other degrees, but those aren't as important. <laughs> and what were they in? What are they and I, what I were they a, in? I have an MBA. Okay. So you have a terminal degree, therefore, and um, the MBA is in? I guess the focus is on uh, global management. Interesting. The character animation part, I'm absolutely fascinated with. But in terms of how you share that with your girls, are they into that now? Yes. So, well, I guess that's another thing I wanted to say. <laughs> because I, so I, I'm in a cre somewhat creative field. And so I do freelance work for people building websites, designing logos, uh, doing video production stuff and things like that. So, um, and the same with my wife, she, you know, she's doing her uh, blog and other, you know, kind of freelance businesses on the side too. So I think, um, my girls see me doing stuff and they've always asked like, so what do you do at work? So I bring them to work with me sometimes like on take your kid to work day or whatever. And they get mm -hmm. to see what I do, but also because I do freelance work at home, they can see me actually doing work and see some of the things I do. And, uh, I think that's useful, very useful because I don't want them to grow up to assume like, okay, well, you just got to go to, go to school for, you know, a long time, get a degree and then go work for somebody. I want them to understand that there's other ways you can make money. I want them to see that like your only options are not like doctor, lawyer, nurse, teacher, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like you have plenty of options. You can be whatever you want to be and you don't necessarily have to work for someone else. You can work from home and, and or work for yourself, own your own business, that type of thing. And I, I, I want them to see that example because the only reason why I'm kind of doing what I do now is because of the example I saw from people in my family growing up where I saw people in creative fields making good money, supporting their family, taking care of the kids and everything. And I was like, okay, that's an option because I know a lot of, from a lot of people I grew up in, some of their parents too, they didn't see those things as viable options. You know, like um, if I, like, so I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm a software developer. When I think in my mind of the traditional software developer, I don't think of someone that looks like me or came from where I came from or grew up how I grew up. But to say that I can do it is great. And for me to be able to be an example to my kids so they can see that someone that looks like me and grew up where I grew up can be a software developer is great. And I can also be an example to others, but I think being around them and letting them see what I do is a great example to them so they can come grow up without kind of those blinders on. That was David Cavins, co-parent and co-homeschooler of nine-year-old twin daughters with his wife, Carly. Our thanks to the Cavins family, to Joyce Burgess, heard earlier on the show, and to you for joining us today. For more about today's show and links to Carly Cavins' website and the Burgess family's National Black Home Educators site, visit us at JaniceAdams.com. Music heard on today's show, singer-composer Oscar Brown Jr. performing Brown Baby, Odetta on Bob Dylan's Paths of Victory, and legendary vaudevillian Jimmy Durante performing The Day I Read a Book. Our show is recorded at WJFF Radio Catskill, post-production Jason Dole. The Janice Adams Show is a production of Janice Adams, LLC, All Rights Reserved. I'll never forget the day I read a book It was contagious, 70 pages There were pictures here and there So it wasn't hard to bear The day I read a book
It's a shame I don't recall the name of the book. It wasn't a history. I know because it had no plot. It wasn't a mystery. Because nobody there got shot the day I read a book. I can't remember when. But one of these days I'm going to do it again. Yes, sir. One of these days I'm going to do it again. I can tell this isn't Duranny's day. Trying to make it real compared to what 